0: Yeah, it's Buku1 one
1: here. One thing I know, every good podcast deserves its own theme song. Oh, for sure. And this one most definitely deserves its own theme song. Mm-hmm. Hey, we changing the game on the name Put Respect. Uncle Dad Talks, yeah. Live and direct What did you expect from the two fly guys? One love Kevin Smith One or more is GoldenEye Golden Mike's the level-headed <laughs> Baby Gabe edits Uncle Dad gets nervous all the time But to his credit, he's clever spring stuff on mic on a daily and can mangle up a name amazingly the range of events and topics makes it hard to stop listening so why even attempt it? from bare knuckle fighting to grammy songwriting to burning man flames to a fight of video games and many many more than i could put in a verse just subscribe tune in to uncle dad's multiverse and many many more than i could put in one verse just subscribe tune in to uncle dad's multiverse yes yeah. you heard it first here
2: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad, and with me as always is the ever-so-handsome Just Mike. Mike, how are you?
0: Oh, I am just great. Thank you for asking.
2: Oh, Just Mike is just great. That's right. Oh, not awesome. Not, not, not amazing. Just great.
0: <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> yes.
2: Uh, Mike, uh, today is a very exciting day, uh, and I'll let you uh, reveal our guest in a second here. I, I think it's going to be one of our most, probably one of our most, probably top five episodes of all time right now. I feel the energy. I feel it. I feel the, I mean, just being with you guys and being in his presence has been just something else. It has been quite the extravagant journey today. And, uh, you know, he has. He also found out that I'm not Filipino. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm surprised <laughs> he believed you. Because <laughs> he knows. He knows. He knows. Uh, but before we do all that, one thing we always got to do, Mike, is pay our bills. And we have something very exciting to announce we're doing a brand new sponsorship with a brand that I really do love, and I would say you do too. I do, yes. And uh, this brand is called Roosevelt's. Uh, now, Roosevelt is like one of the leaders in pop culture, like, like Hawaiian t-shirts where they basically take like a license of Star Wars or whatever, and then they slap it on with a bunch of different like fun little fabrics. So, uh, l- let me ask you this, Mike. What is one of the reasons why you like Roosevelt's?
0: Well, I love Roosevelt's because, I mean, they have a ton of, of of licensed items. Like They have Star Wars, they have Marvel, I've seen DC, Nickelodeon, you name it. And if they don't have it, they'll probably have it soon, right? Yeah. And they also come out with, with lots of unlicensed designs that are amazing as well.
2: Absolutely. And I've been wearing Roosevelt's for literally for years. Like, I think you've seen me wear these shirts all the time. You know, being a heftier man, I got to wear Hawaiian shirts, you know, because it helps me look a little better. And in these shirts, they fit... Perfectly, They fit your body just the way they need to, no matter how you are in size. So if you're a little thicker like me, you don't know, look good, you know? Yeah, um, do what you can. But I'm actually wearing Roosevelt's right now. You are. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to review who our guest is entirely yet, but what
1: do you think about my shirt? I think your shirt is very festive. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know what I like about it is it does, it does speak to the hefty man inside of you. <laughs> And not only that, it's colorful, it's fun, it's got a good vibe to it. Yes, I'm down with your Roosevelt shirt. (laughs) I'm glad you are. I'm glad you are. (laughs) But now, do you notice it's
2: Chunk from the Goonies?
1: I I did notice that. At first, I just thought it was a regular Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. But then, upon further examination, I was like, "Oh, damn! Roosevelt is doing something." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. They're making it happen. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, one day when I wear this, I gotta do the truffle shuffle. What do you think? I think you should do it live on the show. One day I will. One One maybe tonight. Maybe tonight I will. Maybe we'll go somewhere fun, and I'll just take my, you know, have a good time. Yeah, we'll
0: put we'll put on the vlog.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing about Roosevelt shirts. You go someplace and you have a good time in a good shirt.
2: See, look at this man. He knows. (laughs) He knows what's up. He knows how to have a good time. But now, before we forget. Not only, let me, let me tell you how I can help you.
1: Okay. How, how can you help me? My you? secret guest. Yes. <laughs> I haven't been revealed yet. Yes. <laughs> but the people listening are like, dude, he really likes that Roosevelt shirt. Yeah, yeah. What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, can, I can step out. I
0: want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> well, let me tell you, my friend, that you can, you can get 20% off. Wait, what? 20% off. 20% off. Yeah. A twenty twin. Twenty twin twin. A twenty twin twin? <laughs> 20 twin, twin? <laughs> yes. Twenty percent off your order. No limitation by using promo code uncle dad, all one word.
1: Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I just have to put the promo code uncle dad in. That's it. And I get a twenty twin twin off <laughs> that's it. on a fabulous Roosevelt shirt. Oh, and they got socks. What? They got koozies. <laughs> what? And those koozies
2: are legendary, my friend.
1: Oh, man. You mean shirts, socks, and koozies? <laughs> and uh, and t-shirts. At 20% off? That's
2: it. <laughs> oh.
1: Come on, Roosevelt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, listen to our guest. You see how excited he is. Right. You can be just as excited. So go to roosevelts.com. That is uh, R-S-V-L-T-S.com. Go to there. Use promo code Uncle Dad. Get 20% off. Or, as our guest likes to say, you can get how much off? Twenty <laughs> twin. Off
1: indeed. a Roosevelt shirt. Awesome. A awesome. sock, a koozie, or whatever you need.
0: I mean, it's not, you got everything you need to party. Yeah. You're right. Right.
2: Uh, Just no pants.
0: Yes. Exactly. <laughs>
2: that's a Roosevelt party pack. That's a Roosevelt <laughs> party pack. I love it. Yeah. So go check them out. Please. That's our new sponsor. Uh, when you do that, you're supporting the show.
1: Exactly. And we, exactly. Really, and we, and, really, and we really want you to support the show. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time. So I think I really established myself <laughs> as this secret guest. I think you People have. are like,
2: man, who is this guy? Well, what's even funnier is I always say it's a secret guest, but they read the notes. They,
1: it oh, so they know. They know. They know they already. Know. Yeah, they know okay, already. Okay, good. The only good. way
0: they don't know is if it's on autoplay and they Which haven't looked because they're driving.
1: Which is probably a fun way to listen to this show. Yeah, for sure. You're like, I'm just going in.
0: Yeah. Maybe we should do Mystery Guest. Oh Ooh. Ooh.
1: Okay. 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 Mystery guest in a Roosevelt shirt. <laughs> With the koozie. <laughs> With the koozie. <laughs> but no pants.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, no okay. pants. Mike, go ahead. We're having a great time, so we might as well just bring him bring him in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well speaking of our mystery guest,
0: um, I'm so stoked to have him in here. Yeah, me uh, too. We've got a great story of how we met. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Right? Yes. Um, but he's been in movies. You've seen him in movies. You've seen him on TV. You've probably laughed at his jokes and didn't know they were his. Right. Isn't that right?
1: Sure. That's correct.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, you were, uh, let's see, you were in, let's say most notably you were in don't be a menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood.
1: And thank you for saying the whole title. Yes. Yeah. That's respect.
0: I mean, if you're going to say it, you might as well say you it. You have I, to
1: say the whole title.
0: I know most people say Don't Be a Menace.
1: Yeah, they most people shorten it up. Especially But the nowadays, real ones yeah. say the whole title.
0: Because, you know, I saw all those movies before I saw Don't Be a Menace. So did, you
1: did it the right way. I did it the right way. Yes. Yeah. And tell the people who I played in Don't Be a Menace.
0: You played Crazy Legs. That's right. You played the Crazy Legs. That's right. And 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 so so while we're here, let me just, a side note before I tell you the rest of your accolades. uh, For those of you that that listen to the show and know, I'm also the designer for Barbridge Hats. And we had a pop-up store in Oakland during the month of December in which I manned the shop. And sitting in there, designing on my computer in between customers, a couple of gentlemen walk in. um, Or maybe this was just you when, when you first came in.
1: I think I was by myself. That's right. I walked into a store by myself. Who does that? Yeah, I am I'm wild. I'm wild. <laughs> yeah, you're wild, man.
3: <laughs> you
0: do crazy. Crazy Wow. <laughs> and I said I said, let me know if you need any help. And, <laughs>
1: and I was like, cool. Yeah. You know?
0: I'm not here to be a sales. No, pushy no. Salesman. You were
1: you know no. what? Your your salesman vibe was right on point. See? And I I was <laughs> uh, I, I looked around and I was like, Oh, this is a dope store. It's got a nice vibe to it. Uh, I looked around, I saw some hats that I liked. I saw one hat in particular that was a South Central Los Angeles hat that had Marlon Wayans, who played Lope Dog, of course, uh, as the image. And I was like, this is a dope hat. And so I freaked out. I did freak, like I quietly freaked out to myself. Mm -hmm. And I asked you, I said, can I take a picture of this hat? And you were like, absolutely. And I said, I was in this movie. And I wasn't saying it like, can I get a discount? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no flex there, right? Yeah,
1: I wasn't trying to flex. I just was like, this is bizarre. I'm I'm in Northern California, yeah. where I'm from and where I grew up. I was waiting to meet a friend for lunch. Uh, he went to Costco to gas up his car. And he was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So I found your pop-up shop. I saw the hat. And I was like, Oh this is this is I'm I'm where I'm supposed to be. This is meant to be. That's right. And so I took a picture of the hat but I was like weirdly blown away. Because like the the artistry was dope. I was like, yo, this is fire. This hat is fire. Thank you. Yes. It was fire. And uh and and so like we started talking. And I was like like I wanted to know like I just wanted to know you what to was know. going what, on yeah was yeah, going on like yeah. am i being punked right now let's put some merchandise from don't be a menace that's really dope and crazy legs happens to stumble upon it
0: yeah i'm friends with your friend and we set this all up yes, yes. and
1: that like it felt like that mm. so um i literally had 10 minutes to kill i remember i asked you i said can i take a picture of the hat and then i like left like and was a little like whoa, what was that? I have to go back to that store. So my buddy picked me up, we went to go eat, and I told him, yeah, I just stumbled upon this really cool hat store, and they had this hat. And I showed him the hat, and he was like, no way, we gotta go there when we come back. And so we we came back, and he ran into a friend of his. You and I started talking some more, and I was like, hey, can I buy a couple of hats? I'm doing shows here with Sean Wayans in the city, I want to give Sean and Marlon one of these hats Mm -hmm. and you as a smart business person
0: (laughs) and just a nice guy
1: and a nice guy said, take the hats. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you gave me the hats and I was like, cool. And then you were like, Hey, can I go to the show? And I was like, absolutely. And so we became fast friends from the moment I stepped into the pop-up shop.
0: We use the express lane to friendship. Yes,
1: we did. Wow. We did. Fast we, track. did. Fast we did. Track. We did. Yes. Yeah. That, that was great. Right. It was awesome, dude. Like I, I really love the hats. Like, you know, I'm, I, I'm a dude that, uh, I, I do my own t-shirt and you know, the popularity of the crazy legs character was, was such that I was like, I want to do something for my diehard fans. So I started making a t-shirt and then when I saw your hat, I was like, this is something that is like, you're showing just as much love with your hat as I do with my t-shirts. Oh, I love that. So I was like really hyped about just how it all came to be.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that we do sometimes with, with the hat designs is, is we do a little nod to pop culture. Right. And you never know how it's going to go. I mean, you can get a season assist, desist. You can get something like what we have. Right. right. And, right. and, um, And I'm glad it went the way that it did with us. And, uh, you know, it's funny because someone else through someone that works with our, with our company said someone saw that hat and said that they were offended by this. Really? And Mm -hmm. they said, do you know what this is from? And they were like, no, but it offends me. And they had to be educated on why, why that was on.
1: I'm curious. What were they offended by?
0: I think that it was, that it says South Central and it has, uh, you know, Loke Dog on there but they didn't know who Loke Dog was. There's was oh, probably okay. a younger person okay. yeah. who had no idea yeah. what what that It's funny that you is. say
1: that because people that are fans of Don't Be a Menace they love the movie for what it is. And what it was at the time that we made it was we wanted to spoof all these hood movies. Yeah. And we watched all the hood movies. We were all stand-ups in the club. We were hungry. We wanted to make a movie that spoofed these movies. So we knew what we were doing. Um, We were super hungry at the time. And Fridays came out about six months before Don't Be a Menace, right? Mm. And Fridays made a huge impact. It made money. It made stars out of Chris Tucker. Ice Cube killed it. We were just as hungry. And so when we made Don't Be a Menace, we were trying to kill it. You know what I mean? Like We were trying to kill it, we were trying to go for it. And the people that get it, get it. But when the movie first came out, I remember I went to the Magic Johnson Theater, right? Mm. Which is the perfect place to see Don't Be a Menace. I would imagine. Yeah, Yeah. so we went to the Magic Johnson Theater and I remember there were some people watching the movie like it was a regular Hood movie. They didn't realize it was a comedy.
2: That's interesting. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Because that would change your perspective so much.
1: If you go yeah. If you're watching Don't Be a Menace as a real hood movie yeah. and not a comedy, you're totally missing the joke.
2: Like, like, I love Boys in the Hood, but I'm going to, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I've noticed this newer generation, sometimes I'll do interviews and people will be like, You were making fun of the homeless or the, the handicap, you're mm-hmm. making fun of the handicap. And I'm like, no, that's not it at all. Like if you're going into this movie, looking at it from that perspective, you're looking at it all wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the Crazy Lakes character to me, like when I, when I researched that character, I went to the Fox Hills mall, which is at the time the hood mall. <laughs> And I just people watched. And I saw this dude in a wheelchair at that mall and he had mad energy, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, there's something there. And so I made this character to uplift everyone that has any kind of physical disability. Mm -hmm. Like that was my mindset. Like right. the Crazy Legs character, people really identify with the character because they feel like that dude has the biggest energy in the room. Right. Like he doesn't know he's in a wheelchair. You know what I mean?
3: mm mm-hmm. right.
1: And I would find after that movie came out, parents of kids that were in wheelchairs were like, I'm so glad you made that movie. That's my son's favorite movie. Like it gives him life
0: what a difference between that you know the time back then in the 90s and and the time that we live in now now. Where it's almost like every everything that's out there almost is perceived as is this offensive before is this? Just what it is
1: like it's funny dude like the first scene in don't be a menace where you first meet crazy legs, right? He's coming out of his house, and he's got the the wheelchair ramp Right. And the energy is like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the way you start the day. Like he's up, <laughs> right. dude. Uh, yeah, Like yeah. he's hyped. Yeah, he's not, yeah. Down, he's not doom he's, and gloom. He's never down. No. Like he's never down in that. And
2: mood. that's like an inspiration, right? Because it is there's so many people who go through that and don't have that and the fact that that character did that you're right it's like it's a beautiful thing you know
1: so it's just interesting though how yeah. we live in a time where we look at the negative yeah. instead of the positive sure yeah. and crazy legs is a unnecessarily positive character right for sure, you know sure. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. for a character that lives in the hood to be that positive he's a shining light yeah i agree and
0: and, and- and, and shouldn't, isn't that more of what we need, right? Is Absolutely. like, Hey, yeah. you know, Absolutely. we have ailments. Let's, let's not make that the focus of who we are. We're right. just who we are.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like your spirit and your energy is what it is really about. Yeah. That's who you are. Yeah. So don't judge crazy legs by the wheelchair, even though the wheelchair is dope.
2: Wheelchair is so dope. Like yeah. the wheelchair <laughs>
1: is dope. It's got the Dayton's on it. It's right? got the Dayton's on it. It's it. It's it. it it's so funny, like when I think back about the wheelchair, like people ask me sometimes, they're like, Do you still have the wheelchair? And I wish in hindsight I would have kept the wheelchair. Oh, There's no way I could have. No. But I wish I would have.
0: I assume it belongs to the studio. It,
1: yeah, yeah, it's it's
2: somewhere. It's somewhere.
1: somewhere in a in an archive, somewhere. Like I I wish I would have kept the wheelchair. Yeah.
2: Could you try to buy it, you think?
1: I would like to try. Yeah, you should. I'd like to try. If
0: anyone knows where the wheelchair is. Yeah. Contact. I did someone. keep
1: the little Adidas, the, the little, the I baby the little the yeah, I kept baby. the baby shoes. I did keep those. Oh, that's awesome. I did keep those. I was like, oh, I'm keeping some of these. I kept the I kept the little shoes. And then I kept this is like me as an actor. This is just just I'm giving you the real. Yeah, please. Uh I made sure that my big shoes match my little crazy legs. Of course. <laughs> And you're a, and you're a shoe, you're a And head, I'm a sneakerhead, so, so that's real too. So I still have the OG sneakers that I wore when I was crazy. Where, where
0: do you have those? Are they like in a? They're uh, in my storage case. They're oh, they're in the storage. storage. Oh. You got to get those things. I do have to in
1: put them house. in a case. You're right. Yeah. I do have to put them in a case. We
0: got to see those things. Yeah. Yes,
1: I do have to put them in a case.
0: Um, okay, I was in a. Okay, so I haven't even said your real name. Yeah, on I the was show. like, I was about to
1: mention that. Wow, wow, yeah.
2: About to
0: mention that. I was <laughs> like, but yes, for those who don't know. Crazy Legs is is not our guest's real name. His real name is Suli McCull- McCullough, and he's been in a ton of other 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 shows, which I'll get to mention. But I have one more question about about that that scene. You know, where where you come down the the ramp and you yeah. you know they're introducing your character and you go into the dream MC Hammer sequence. Right. Was that your vision, or is that like a collective writers' decision? Or
1: that was a collector collective writers. Uh, decision and I just thought it was super funny at the time because you know I'm a hip-hop head and you know I was a break dancer uh, coming up in real life and so we wrote that into Crazy Legs backstory in fact this we shot a scene of Crazy Legs before the car accident Uh where he was a break dancer (laughs) Because I was a break dancer and I was like here's my chance to show the world my skills. What moves did you do? Oh, I did. I I, first of all, I just you know, I did my arm waves and my king tuts, but I have a move. My go-to move was I used to do the bicycle right where I would pantomime like I was on a bicycle. And that was my move that I would just, I would take out whole crews with the bicycle. (laughs) So we shot that scene and it never made the final cut. And that was like a scene that I was really disappointed that didn't make the movie. Because I really like it to me that anchored the whole character. Yeah. Like him, like he really was the best dancer in the hood. Yeah.
0: They refer to it. I think it's Sean's character refers to it. That you were, yes, that, yeah, yes, right. yeah.
1: Then, so I like I like I pushed for that. I was like, "Yo, we gotta show a scene where Crazy Legs is really the best dancer in the hood." Yeah, like we have to have the before scene.
0: Did that make it into like the DVD? Un- well,
1: there's a couple. There's a couple extras. Um, there's a there's a special edition version of Don't Be a Menace on DVD hmm. that has some extra scenes, and it's got this really funny scene where we're playing Ponopoly. Like, not Monopoly, but (laughs) Ponopoly, And that scene's pretty hilarious. Um, There was another scene we shot in the movie. Remember the barbecue scene? Mm -hmm. Where uh, the two people were butt naked? Yes. uh, In the barbecue scene? (laughs) We shot a scene where Crazy Legs was doing the electric slide (laughs) with four other dudes in wheelchairs. I think Marlon has those outtakes somewhere at his house. And one day, I I went over to his house and we watched that scene. And I was like, that's pretty damn funny. Uh, that it's sounds funny. funny. Yeah, like <laughs> they, were, they were three dudes that were really in wheelchairs. And okay. you know, I was the character and we choreographed the electric slide in wheelchair. It was, wow. it's pretty funny. And then the music <laughs> was that electric slide. Like you got to see it, it's electric so it's crazy legs doing like it's a it's a funny scene we gotta get that yeah we gotta get that awesome. yeah i gotta i gotta hit marlon up and and see if i can get that yeah
0: marlon please yes you <laughs> got
1: he, yeah loke dog gotta release that
0: that yeah, thought that movie was so fun i remember seeing it in the theater and you saw it in the theater it in the theater wow i did yes nice.
2: wow nice did you really
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> nice. I'm old enough to see that so, movie in a the theater. Really
2: quickly, when that movie came out, I was probably only came out in '96, right? Mm-hmm. So I I was only seven at the time.
1: Wow. Really? Yeah. But He's I but I but I did
2: watch it though. My you know my parents we kind of connected through uh, film. Yes. And so, Boys in the Hood, growing up, was one of my favorite movies of all yeah, time. Yeah. I always say this. My dad, I I watched Boys in the Hood recently. Yeah. And I realized. A lot of shit my dad told me growing up. I'm not kidding you.
1: What's quotes from? Qu-
2: quotes. Quotes are fucking furious styles, dude. I was like, what uh-huh. the f-? I
1: swear to you. That's hilarious. Of course. Oh,
2: Cuz my dad had me young. My parents yes. both had me young. And yeah. so uh, which you know, shout out to them, they're great. But uh yeah, they you know, they just they didn't really I don't, you know, they, grew they didn't up have their that. own quotes. Right. They they yeah. didn't really, you know, they grew yeah. up with that. So anyways, when yeah. I saw Boys in the Hood at a young age, it just it made me laugh so much because it made me think of Boys on the Hood, Yeah, and now I love watching it because it, you know those two movies mean a lot to me because it just makes me think of my parents.
1: Yes, yeah, so I that's love great, those, yeah, I that's just love great. That. So, yeah, you saw it in theaters I and I it. saw
2: it on VHS. I, you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I'll tell you another story about Don't Be a Menace. When it first um, opened, we had the premiere in New York and there was a big snowstorm that weekend, and so the weather was terrible. Um, it was a Merrimax movie, um, and it didn't do as well at the box office that opening weekend because of the storm. Mm. So you probably saw it in a theater that didn't have crazy weather, but the box office numbers. And when you do a movie, it's about you know what the movie grosses, how yeah, much money it makes. Right, of course. Yeah. So when it came out, it did okay, but it didn't do like we wanted it to do. So we were a little disappointed about it. But when it went to VHS and it went to cable, that's when it blew up. Like especially cable because everybody found it. And by that time, they were ready for that tone of comedy. Sure. So it was weird. It was like it had, a, it had like, a, like a, a latent sonic boom. And when it went to cable, it took off. And now it just has a life of its own. It's like one of those weird cult movies that's just gotten more and more popular over the years.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how movies uh, happen sometimes. They don't- they And don't, it's certain movies. Yeah, they, don't get, movies. they don't get the, the numbers they want right away. Yeah. But then it has this second life later yes. on.
1: Yeah, and Don't Be A Menace is definitely that. Like I, my, my son's in high school, he's a senior now, but when he was a freshman, uh, one day he came home and he said, "Dad, my friends think you're cool." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the best
0: though? Dude, I love hard. it. That's hard. I love it. Yeah. So,
1: and it, it's because it Don't Be a Menace.
0: Yeah, I I had saw it in the theater. <clears throat> I was 16. Since we're all saying how old.
1: Yeah.
0: But, uh, <laughs> but I, had, out of all those uh, the movies that y'all were making fun of in that film, I saw Menace to Society first. Yes. And then saw Boys in the Hood, and I was like. Boys in the Hood is nothing compared to Menace Society. That movie's Yeah, violent. Menace Society
1: was a great movie. Yes. Great movie. I mean, and the Hughes movie. brothers were great directors. Yes, they were.
0: Yeah. Um, and the
1: cast was good. Oh, like yeah. Lorenz Tate
0: who's
1: yeah. a friend of mine. I'm yeah. friends with all the Tate brothers. Oh. Like he killed it. Like I'm I'm you know, yeah. That's that's the cool thing about about living and working in Hollywood at that time. Yeah. You know, like I was friends with everybody that was making movies. You right. know what I mean? And we all were just coming up at the same time. Like I met Sean uh, at the comedy clubs and we tour now. And, and that was cool too, because, um, because I tour with Sean, that also gave me a chance to see what an impact that movie made. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you live in Hollywood, it's mostly what are you doing next? You know, like what's next on your plate? Mm -hmm. So you don't really ever get a chance to kind of relive some of the things that you've done, but, you know, like when I go out on the road, you know, people tell me all the time, like, dude, you know, I, I don't want to be weird, but <laughs> don't be a menace is it. You yeah. know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yeah. it's, it, it's pretty cool.
0: It, yeah. I mean, there's no, and there hasn't been, there was lots of parody movies and you know, then the Wayans were great with, with the scary movies, which you were also in scary movie Two.
1: I was in scary movie Two. was the crazy clown. Yeah. I played the clown under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. yes.
0: Which, you know, I, I I didn't recognize that. But of course, you know, watching it and, and then, you know, hearing Piecing it together. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. And, and that
1: was one of those things where they called me and they were like, yo, we got this part for you in scary movie, too. Um, can you do it? And I was like, absolutely. And it's a voiceover, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. they shot the scene and I just voiced it. Oh, no,
0: so you weren't in that clown suit under the bed. No, I didn't
1: even. Have to, like it's It's such an easy part to play because <laughs> yes. it's just my voice. You know what wow. I mean? Like. They had somebody do all that stuff, and I just I just voiced it.
0: And I, I loved. I was when I was younger, I was really into horror movies as well. And so those those scary movie yeah franchise, those, especially the early the three the first three were so were so funny. And and so was Don't Be a Menace was like yeah. And, and you know it's like the old the Naked Guns, right? Of yes. like making yeah. Making fun of all yeah. these other franchises, and they, and you guys just did such a great job. And and yeah, that movie just like you know I really hold it deep to my heart. So to sit here with you. And and have all this happen is uh, it, it means a lot. So yeah. it's super. It's it's so dope. Yeah.
1: Thanks, man. Like yeah. it's uh, it's it's nice to hear. You know, as a as a as an artist, you just want to do something that makes an impact. Yeah. And to be able to make an impact with that movie, it's pretty dope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with comedy.
0: With,
3: yes, with know?
1: comedy. Yes. Like you like I can actually see that it lifts people's moods. And I've had like people I super respect. Like like Eddie Murphy told me one day, my daughter was in daddy daycare. She played one of the kids, right? Oh wow. And so Eddie told me one day, he said, Don't be a menace was before it's time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, Eddie Murphy is giving me a compliment about a project that, that I was in. Yeah. Which is, is phenomenal. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's what you want. Like, Shaq is a big Don't Be a Menace fan. I'm sure. Remember the times when uh, dudes would have TVs in the back of their headrests in their cars? <laughs> yeah. yeah, with no so, one in the backseat. Yeah, with no one on. in the backseat, but the movie was on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I met Shaq at the improv one night, right? And I'm a huge fan of Shaq, right? But he was a fan of mine. He said, uh, dude, uh, Don't Be a Menace is one of my favorite movies of all time. I play that movie in my car. <laughs> <laughs> play that movie <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> what can you say? Like, Shaq is giving you props. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, yeah. so like I'm cool with like the people, you know, you just never know who's going to embrace your your stuff
0: Any, ever. Yeah. And,
1: yeah. And and I've been. Overwhelmed by the people that that dig that movie,
0: man, that's great. A con- casual casual conversation with compliments from Eddie Murphy. And yes, Shaq. dude, yes. I mean, yeah.
1: Eddie's the goat to me. Like I mean, when I was in yeah. high school, He was blowing up on SNL and I was like, I want that guy's life. You know what I mean? Like that dude is 21 years old. He's the funniest dude on TV. And I'm like, I want to do that. How can I be that guy? And years later, he's telling me, you know, you were hilarious in this movie, and it was before its time.
0: Yeah, good job, man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah dude. Yeah. yeah, dude. No, it's, it's I mean, great. I mean, it's
0: great. yeah, raw. Eddie Raw is raw one is of the best girl. comedy specials ever, right? I mean, I mean,
1: Eddie's body of work, period. Nutty Professor, you know, coming sure. to America. Like, I, you know, Eddie's Eddie's on that level, dude.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so let me ask you. So, okay, so you you are a fan of Eddie Murphy at a really young age, and and. Is and then I, I noticed you early in your career you were doing lots of small parts in different in different shows like yeah, uh, different yeah. world yeah. Married with Children yeah when Fresh I was Prince. in
1: I I was on Married with Children that was one of my first parts I got cast because I was opening for George Lopez at a comedy club. And these casting directors that cast Married with Children happen to be in the audience. Oh wow. And you just happen- never know. You never know, dude, that's the thing about yeah, LA it's crazy, is you have to just stay ready because you just never know. So I'm opening for Lopez back in the day before he had his sitcom. and I didn't know, but these casting directors were in the audience. And I had an audition for Married with Children the next day, and I booked the part. And at the time, Married with Children was one of those shows that was like, that was, uh, you know, that was a big, big deal. And I played this dude that worked at this record store named Final, called Final Vinyl. And <laughs> I played nice. this guy that was a super savant where all you had to do was come into the record store and hum the song.
0: Go with him.
1: That's right. Oh, that's shit. right. <laughs> wow. That's right. That
0: ep- that's, I had that was you? Yeah. That was me. That episode is one of the episodes of that series that, that always stuck with me and that scene.
1: I, I played the guy that worked at that the store, was, at the oh record my. store. My mind
0: is just blown. <laughs>
1: You're
3: you like, Crazy see. Legs
1: is cool, yeah. but you were the dude yeah. at the, the record store. Go, to <laughs> go with him. go with him, yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. My. Wait, what was that song? Do you remember? Uh, I just remember <laughs> Go With Him was the song, uh, and he couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. And – uh Yeah, it was that was an interesting experience too because that show was so popular. And as a guest star, like your job is basically to come in, deliver your lines, and don't mess up. You know what I mean? And hopefully, be good enough that they ask you back. So you definitely feel the pressure when you're on a show that's like that hot. Like I mean, Kelly Bundy was like you know a super hottie, and Bud Bundy was like crazy popular and you know, yeah. Al Bundy was, you know, he He's was Al a Bundy. phenomenon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that show was that show was amazing. Like it was a great first experience as a guest star to be a part of something that was like a, a, a cultural phenomenon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was one of the eighties, right? That was that was early It was like
1: early nineties. Early nineties, yeah. Yeah, that,
0: that was such a key show of that of that time, too. And I was
1: young, too. Like I was like fresh out of college. I started doing comedy when I was 19. So I started when I was in college. Um, I was really lucky. Uh, We had a comedy club at UCLA. I went to UCLA and um, four of us from the comedy club got to open for Jerry Seinfeld. So we each did five minutes. Um, I didn't realize this, but Jerry Seinfeld's managers were in the audience. Here's a funny story. I was so, like, uh, honorable and noble and, you know, had values back then that I remember thinking, four minutes, like, that's not enough time for me to get off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought about dropping so my friends could have an extra minute. Look at you. Oh, thank, wow. God <laughs> thank God I didn't do that. Thank God I didn't do that. But
0: but also thank God that you thought that. Cause, cause I, and I did yes. honestly
1: think that. I was like... If I drop, they can do more time and, you know. Mm -hmm. But his manager came up to me after the show, gave me his card, and he said, give me a call, I think you have a lot of talent. And I was a junior in college, I still had a year left of school, and this is how green I was, and how much I didn't know anything about the business. I called a buddy of mine that was a little further along, who's now a director, and I said, this guy George Shapiro gave me his card uh is he legit like i asked him i said is he legit and my buddy was like that's one of the biggest comedy managers in hollywood and then i played it off like for no i don't know why but i played it (laughs) off like oh cool all right i think i'm gonna call him (laughs) and then as soon as i woke up the next morning i couldn't have dialed that phone fast enough wow so yeah that's how i got that's literally how i got discovered so i took a meeting with george shapiro who was jerry seinfeld's manager when i was in college they knew i had a year left of school they're like we want you to finish school but i knew at that moment that comedy and being in the comedy game was going to be my my path mhm which was pretty
0: amazing pretty yeah i mean and you're not even finished with with you know with college and you already it's already and already i knew hopping. what i was going to do and yeah. in
1: college you know i was in the comedy club i did i hosted all the like You know shows on campus, so I was tracked that way. But still, you know, I got one of the biggest managers in Hollywood that's representing me as a twenty-year-old.
0: Were you kind of feeling like, well, fuck it, I'll just quit college? I I wanted,
1: yeah, I definitely, I definitely wanted to quit college. Yeah, like I was like, yo, let's go get this. You know what I mean? Like, like, let's go get this. Um, But they were smart enough to be like finish school and i'm glad that i did I, I was i was a political science major in college well, which mean, is like
2: i feel like that makes sense <laughs> how so i feel like comedians would make great politicians sometimes like in some respects there was a
1: time where yeah. i thought i wanted to go into politics but you know yeah i mean look at history it turns out i'm not racist <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> i would That's have true. to be way more racist <laughs> to go into politics
0: no, you uh, so you, you kind of cut your teeth going on um, doing these small parts on shows. Yeah, and, and then you start—is uh, it you start writing for for shows?
1: Well, that you... didn't that didn't happen until after the Jamie Foxx show. Right. So um, I guest starred on a lot of different shows. I guest starred on Married with Children. I guest starred on Seinfeld. I guest starred on Larry Sanders, where I met my friend and mentor Gary Shandling. Um, wow. But. I didn't, um, the Jamie Foxx show was the thing that, that really kind of put me on the map in a different way. Like, crazy legs don't be a menace, that, that made an impact. Um, in fact, Jamie, I did one episode, the third season of the Jamie Foxx show, where I played a totally different character. I played, um, I played uh, a, a son, like I think Jamie Foxx's son, <laughs> on, on the episode. And it was just a one off. Right. And then that next season, I got offered the part of mouse that worked with him at Jingles two thousand. Right. So that was and then I ended up doing I ended up doing twenty five of the hundred episodes on the Jamie Foxx show. So once I came on board as Mouse, that took off. Yeah. That- and that was cool because it was, you know, myself. Alex Thomas, who was in Dopian a and Chris Spencer, who was also in Dopian a Chris played Preach, Alex played um, uh, Astray. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we've all we're all r- real friends. Like, we all started comedy around the same time, and we used to be like, you know, a, a, a little black pack. Like, you know, we would go <laughs> we would go do spots together. You know, we would punch up each other's jokes. We would hang out together. We would play ball together. So we were like you know, we looked out for each other. Mm. And, you know, it was cool that our comedy life bled into our acting life.
0: That, that's fun because when you have that and then you are working on a, on a show together, you know, you already have the charisma. Yeah, we already right? have and the camaraderie.
1: Like, And when we, we started Jamie Fox show, you know, like at that time, we kind of gave it a little lift. Like we took the show out of the hotel and gave Jamie a workspace, and now Jamie had friends, and friends that were funny that all had a move. You know what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah, I feel like uh, when you guys came on, I told you this off mic, it's that there was a certain magic that happened.
1: Yeah. And and I I love that show. Like
2: It's funny because it recently came on HBO Max now, which if you guys want to watch it, you guys should go to HBO Max and watch it. And I was like, man, I used to love this show. Let me still see if I still love it. Yeah. And I still love it, and it was great. But the moment when you guys all pop on, it just shifts the energy in such a, positive, beautiful way Yeah. where you see the friendship, you see the connection, you see everybody having a good time. And one of the things I always appreciate when I watch anything is sometimes you watch a movie, at least I get this, and I feel like, oh man, I love that you can tell they're having fun making this.
1: Well, you know what was cool about that show was the way Jamie worked, right? So we would do a scripted pass, right? Where we would do the script as written, right? So we'd do one pass like that and then Jamie liked to just freestyle. So we would do a wild pass, which was a second pass. And the second pass was anything goes. Mm. Like there would be times where we would just be riffing and we wouldn't do anything that was in the script. <laughs> oh. And what they would do was they would cut between the scripted version and the wild pass. So I think when you watch those episodes, Sometimes you're seeing stuff that was in the script, and sometimes you're just seeing stuff that we would riff.
0: That's so fun. Which was
1: great. It was such a fun way to work. And um, Garrett Morris was on that show. And Garrett is one of the original cast members of Saturday Night Live. And so I remember when Garrett would be in scenes with us. There'd be times where we would get to the wild stuff and he'd be like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And so I would sometimes pitch him ideas and he'd be like, oh, that's good. I like that. Right. And so I credit Garrett Morris and the Jamie Foxx show with planting the seeds, which later became my career as a writer producer, because I was really good at pitching things for other people and taking what they did and made it better. And Garrett, you know, I respected him so much of because he's, you know, comedy royalty oh, yeah. that the fact that he really gravitated to my ideas, he gave me confidence that my ideas had value. And so, I didn't start writing producing until after the Jamie Foxx show ended.
0: And that's just from your kind of your organic way of observing people in a way that you can offer something to them that elevates them. Yeah. You know, yeah. because you think about a lot of people when they're, when they're listening to other people, a lot of times they're, they're thinking about how they're going to respond to what's sure. being said. Sure. But you're over here thinking about how can you help say what they're saying, but maybe better or maybe funnier.
1: And that also comes from years of just doing stand up and sitting in the back of the club. Like when I started, All the guys, like, you know, John Witherspoon was in the clubs, Mm. you know, Jerry Seinfeld was in the clubs, George Wallace was in the clubs, Uh, Joe Coy was in the clubs, Um, you know, Bill Burr was in the club. Like, we were all in the clubs at the same time. And even if you weren't on or you were waiting to go on, you would watch all these guys work. You know, when I first started, I mean, I've seen John Witherspoon on stage so many times and he was a killer. Like he was so funny and so good. So when I was in the clubs, you know, I was, I was around these, these masters and I was watching them work on a nightly basis. And when you first start out, you spend so many hours in the comedy clubs. You know what I mean? And you just, you learn from the best. So I got to watch the best. And my goal as a young stand-up was like, learn from this. So, you know, I would watch what people were doing, and I always had a really good ability to go, okay, that's a great joke, how do we make it better? You know what I mean? Or say this, or, you know, I, I mean, I still have that ability. Like, I can walk into a club, I can watch somebody on stage and, and, and go, Oh, you should say that or say that. And it's not like a, you know, me thinking my ideas are. it's just, I'm, I'm really good at that right? because of the years of doing it. Like standup is, is miles. You know what I mean? Like it really is, you have to put your 10,000 hours and then some, that's the only way you get good at it.
0: You know, it, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of something that you do without even thinking that you're doing it. At this point, I'm sure, right? Well, it's
1: like I care about comedy. Yeah. And I and and a little tweak takes a joke that gets, you know, a six and turns it into an eight, and an eight is a way bigger laugh. Yeah. And sometimes it's just one little word.
0: So when you're writing, when you write for these shows or when you're writing comedy, what's what's the, is there a favorite for you? Like, do you enjoy writing comedy for for live? you know, a club or do you or you have more fun when you're writing for a show?
1: Well, I like that I can do a little bit of everything sure. because, you know, when you're acting, you get the credit for that, you know what I mean? Like there are people that don't know my writing producing credits at all. Mm-hmm. They just know my acting credits and they're like, dude, you're hilarious. Like, what are you doing now? You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm, I'm good, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working, I'm good. But um, yeah, the acting, you get the credit for it all. The writing, you may or may not get the credit, but you do get to see the whole thing come together. Like, and, and for me, you know, when Jamie finished doing the Jamie Foxx show, he started hosting shows. Like he hosted the MTV Awards, he hosted the SB Awards, and he brought us along, you know, to be his writers. We knew his voice. You know, we all spoke the same language. We, you know, value comedy. And we were able to make some great stuff. Like those early ESPY awards, you know, Jamie did the the tennis ball song about Venus and Serena. That was something that we wrote.
2: Really? You wrote that?
1: Yeah, like we, yeah, that was like a...
2: Do you know that, Mike?
0: Yeah, well... No, but go
2: ahead. I have something else to say. I was just going to say, like, so at the time I was seeing this uh, this older woman. Yes. And
1: uh, we, she oh. made me. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, she. Uh, and did you have on the shirt?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing my Roosevelt shirts because I've been wearing it for years. Yes. Yes. That's right. <laughs> yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Um,
2: no, and I remember she, she had made me watch that with her.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: And uh, I thought it was so funny funny yeah i had such a great yeah. time with that
1: yeah that was one of my yeah. first producing credits as really yeah That's amazing. so i wrote i actually wrote on the espies for six years like the first two years were with jamie but i'm a sports fan so i stayed on board for four years after that so i wrote for sam jackson i wrote oh, wow, for yeah. uh matthew perry Um, yeah, I, I wrote on that show for six years. Wow! I wrote for LeBron and Jimmy Kimmel when they hosted. And that's where, when I first met LeBron, um, Jimmy Kimmel's hosting the Oscars this year. I wrote for him on that show. So the ESPYs was a really good, fun show for me. That's so crazy.
0: I, I, you know, I was going to mention that, you know, you wrote for a tennis shows, the ESPYs being one of them with Jimmy and LeBron. And I remember when I, when I saw you perform that night after we met and, uh, you I think you I'm pretty sure you told the joke uh that night of LeBron making a hundred dollar endorsement deal off Nike before he even played. Yeah, an, uh, yeah, an yeah. NBA LeBron
1: game. yeah, Nike paid LeBron a hundred million dollars before he ever played a professional game.
0: And that if that happened to you before you ever worked, you would yeah. retire. And yeah, would... yeah,
1: my point <laughs> sign is I would retire that day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah right. So, So, right. yeah,
0: tell me a little bit more about, like...
3: So that joke
1: came from the experience of working with LeBron. Okay. And that was a dream job for a writer. A lot of times as a writer, like, every experience is different. It depends on who you're writing for and what their writing style is. Like, Jamie's one of those dudes where, you know, I remember we used to all work on ideas independent of him and then he would come in we would pitch him the ideas and jamie like jamie's literally one of the most talented people i've ever been around and he has this ability to if he likes an idea absorb it and make it his in a way that i've never worked with anybody in that way like he's just his talent level is something else yeah agreed. so that's one way to work right but I've also been in situations where, you know, it's very hands-on and collaborative, you know what I mean? Like I wrote uh, the pilot for George Lopez's talk show, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was a very different experience. Like I used to open for George back in the day, so I know George's voice, um, but that was really hands-on, him and I working together on that. Uh, that was that was a cool experience. Um, everyone's different, you know? I. Uh, my, my friend and mentor, Gary Shandling, you know, before he passed away, we were working on uh, an idea based on his journals. He kept journals all throughout his life. And so we were working on a series idea called Halfway to Hawaii because that was his plan, was to buy some property in Hawaii and retire in Hawaii. Mm. But he was halfway there because he was still half in Hollywood <laughs> and half had this dream of getting to Hawaii. So his process was very different than some of the other people that I worked with. I spent a year as a writer on The Tonight Show, Mm -hmm. and it was Jay Leno's last year. Jay Leno was the host for 17 years. I got hired uh, his last year when Barack Obama secured the Democratic nomination. Uh, NBC executive was like, hey, we're about to have a black president. We should probably have a black writer on this show. <laughs> Maybe. So um, they went to the diversity department. It, it, it took that. Yeah, <laughs> and that, like it. yeah, it took that. But, you know, that's that's the business that we work in. Sure. Yeah, uh, so that was 2008. They didn't have any black writers in the diversity department. One of the writers on staff said, I know somebody that I think would be perfect for this. So they recommended me for that job. I remember I had to submit a page of monologue jokes, 25 jokes I wrote, and you know, my monologue submission page was good enough that they hired me. Mm. So I spent a year writing for Jay, and that was a very different experience. That was like, you know, you're writing on The Tonight Show, it's five days a week, you know, Jay's monologue at the time was 27 to 35 jokes a night. He had 18 writers at the time, Uh, and so, He likes to read a lot of jokes. He would probably read a thousand jokes a day to get to that 18 to 37 jokes that would make up the monologue. So every day I'm getting up at five in the morning, I'm looking at the news stories, I'm reading newspapers and I'm writing monologue jokes. Like I felt like The Tonight Show was like getting paid to go to grad school. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was really, just the discipline of having to write monologue jokes every single day for a year straight, it strengthens your skills. And also, Jay Leno's Tonight Show was a very mainstream show. It's very different than Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. Right. You know what I mean? It's a lot more uh, current ev- uh, event based and topical and I, f- I learned how to write for mainstream America.
0: So you were on the writing for, for the monologue section of the yes, show. Yes, but you your...
1: also do other things. Like he used to do a bit called jaywalking, which he would go out um, to, we go to Universal, mm-hmm. which was not far from NBC where we shot the show. And he would, you know, we'd, we'd all get in the van, we'd get out of the van, he'd show up at Universal and they would just interview tourists and ask him these really basic questions. Mm-hmm. And... People don't know shit. Right. You know what I mean? You <laughs> them so a, that was the bit.
0: You yeah. asked them a question about something that's not even real. Yes.
1: And yeah. and no. part of it is the pressure of being on camera and having to perform. Yeah. Which makes your brain kind yeah. of fog. But also people don't know shit. People don't know.
0: But they also so badly want to be in the spotlight. They want to right? act
1: like they know something. Yeah. So that was a really interesting, refillable bit. Um, Yeah, you you wrote for everything, but I was primarily a monologue writer on that show. Wow. Right, right. So
0: And so and so you mentioned Gary Shanling and and Gary, you know, he's one of like the the, the best the best there ever was, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So how do you meet how does that Well,
1: I met Gary Shanling as an actor. I got cast on the Larry Sanders show. Uh, the episode was Pain Equals Funny which is genius Mm -hmm. because it's the truth. It's the truth. And I played a writer on that show (laughs) and I played a writer before I became a writer. So that also speaks to Gary's genius that he cast me as something that I later would become.
0: He saw something in there that that Yeah, I mean, we didn't even
1: know each other. I was just cast as an actor. Mm. And so the first day on set, I, I have to say this, the Larry Sanders Show is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. But like before I met Gary, I just loved that show. I thought it was super smart. I thought the characters were grounded in reality. It was funny, but it felt real. And I felt like I was, these relationships I was invested in. Um, it, it, it really was an honor just to get cast on that show. So I was excited to be a part of that show, and I just figured it would be like like the Married with Children situation. You're a guest star, you're coming on, you do your lines, and then you keep it pushing. I ended up having a conversation with Gary on set, and we talked about Muhammad Ali. And we both were big fans of Muhammad Ali. And so we had like an hour and a half talk about Muhammad Ali. Wow. And I was like, It was weird because I was a fan of Gary's stand-up and I loved the Larry Sanders show. And after that conversation, I was like, this dude is the coolest dude in the world. Like, he's grounded, he's real. Like, he you know, he was just all that and then some. They say, you know, never meet your heroes. That was one where it was like, oh, this dude is amazing. So, I did that episode and then Gary had a Sunday invite-only basketball game that I got invited to play in. after doing that show look at you so yeah so i played in gary's game for 18 years
0: what did you wear any of your jerseys (laughs) you know what's funny is
1: i was so excited that i got the invite because that was really like an a-list exclusive you're in you're
0: in there yeah i
1: didn't want to like sarah silverman played in that game david duchovny played in that game sasha barrett cohen played in that game kevin nealon played in that game wow like There were some, it was like this think tank of super funny people, and we all just hung out in Gary's house on a Sunday. Like, it's the most, to this day, you know, like hanging out with Jamie was incredible, like a different kind of incredible. Right. But hanging out with Gary every Sunday, like, I had a family in a real life there were times where I didn't want to go back to my real life. (laughs) You know what I mean? I wouldn't either. It was like sleepaway camp. You know what (laughs) what I mean? You didn't want it to end. Yeah. And it was like, like I said, it was the perfect mix of basketball and like these super funny people that you just were so glad to be able to spend that time with.
0: And how awesome for you that you got like a mix of, of what it was like to be with, with Jamie Foxx and those and that group. And then, you worked with George Lopez and his group. And yeah. Then, and now now you're with Gary Shandling and, and the, well, it's those like, people. I've been
1: really fortunate in that way where I've worked with a lot of the best minds in comedy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which like, is probably why you care about it so much. I, I really do. Like yeah. even to this day, I still have that approach of somebody that's just starting out. Awesome. But I care about it in a way where... It's, it's precious to me. It's like a precious, amount. it's a diamond to me.
0: Yeah. yeah. You also, uh, you did some work on Last Comic Standing.
1: That was the job that I did right before I got hired on The Tonight Show. Really? I got hired as a um, producer, and that was the year that Liza Schlesinger and Jeff Dye uh, were on. Uh, they had two two-hour specials right before the Olympics started, and they wanted to come up with content for the contestants other than just making them do head-to-head battles. So I got hired with a couple of other writers that I'm still really close with, and we just came up with, with fun stuff for them to do other than compete against each other. Mm. And that was a job that I literally, that production office was across the street from NBC. So when I got hired on The Tonight Show and I had to turn in those monologue jokes, I literally walked across the street <laughs> to take that meeting. And so it was a very interesting time in my life where it was like one job led to another job. Like I was, it was funny. I finished up last comic standing. I had two weeks off. In that two weeks, I wrote and shot the pilot for George Lopez's talk show. I had one week off and then I started at the, at the Tonight Show. You know, and we wow. talk.
0: I talk about this often, you know, with Uncle Dad, and other guests we have, where when you when you love what you're doing, and you're committed to your craft, and you believe that that is your true purpose, and you're following that, those those the one opportunity is what leads to the next, and what and if you're paying attention, will lead to the next. Sure. You know, even if it's right across the street. Sure. You know, with the competition. Sure. Did Did you ever get to work with uh, with Norm McDonald?
1: I did. I was friends with Norm. Um, Another one of the it's greats. It's funny that we're you know we're here in San Francisco right now, because I remember when he played Cobb's, which which I played with Sean in December, uh, and we just hung out. We just hung out like we just, you know, after a show, you know, I think I, I I I saw that he was performing at Cobb's and I stopped in and we were friends and we just hung out all that night afterwards and talked comedy and I remember the conversation. You know, Norm was one of those dudes like game recognizes game. And I remember we talked about who he thought the best working standup at the time was. Mm. And he thought Patrice O'Neill was oh, pound yes. for pound the best comic working at the time. Yes. You like that? Yeah.
2: I think, in my opinion... Patrice O'Neal is one of the most underrated com- com- comedians out there. Absolutely. Because he was absolutely. so fucking good at what he yeah, did.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. knew his voice. He yes. knew how to push the envelope. 110 He wasn't afraid of um, making the audience uncomfortable. Yes. Because he knew had, he had mm. the skills to get them back.
2: Yeah, and he did it in a way that was smart, and he did it in a way that was 100% him, I felt. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. But I'll, I'll never forget that. Norm with saying, hey, you know who I think is is really great right now? Patrice O'Neal.
0: Norm, I I miss Norm. One of of my favorite lines he ever said was, people are are, are scared that they're going to die in a plane crash, they're going to die from a terrorist attack, but no one's afraid of your heart attacking you and kill you, which is a lot more likely than dying in a plane or dying from a terrorist. He
1: had such a great way of just dissecting stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he was like, I really, I I miss Norm. You know what I mean? Like he was such, he was another one of those just great ones. Like I said, I was, I'm, I'm super fortunate. The time that I started doing comedy in was really a golden era and I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of the best. Like I haven't even talked about Cedric the Entertainer, who's a very good friend of mine. You know, I, I, Took a consulting producing credit on one of his specials back in the day. I wrote for him when he did the um, White House Correspondents' Dinner. Um, I also wrote for him when he hosted the Emmys. Mm. Um, you know, he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I want you to be my head writer on the Emmys," which was great. How because, does that
0: feel when when you get that call?
1: Well, it was unbelievable, dude, because it was coming out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the pandemic hit. You know, I was touring with Sean Wayans, and you know, all our tour dates went away because all the clubs closed and everything shut down, and you know, comics, that's how we make our money. And so that was all shut down. Um, Yeah, to get that call to write for Cedric on the Emmys, it was incredible, dude. And we had a great time, we had fun, people liked the show. I remember when we finished, Cedric was like, yo, we just did the Emmys, dog. Which was like, (laughs) it was great. It was great. It was great. And that also, you know, that year, I I wrote for Cedric on the Emmys, I wrote on the American Music Awards, and then I wrote on last year's Oscars. So I did three big award shows back to back to back, which, you know, I think all started... From the job that I did on the Emmys.
0: Wow, I, I really want to talk, of course, about the Oscars, but me, before I get into that, let me ask you, when you're working on something like the Emmys or the Oscars, do you feel a different kind of pressure to be more funny or funnier, or, or, or just more pressure in general? Um, then like just you, I don't you know, do feel else?
1: pressure. Yeah. Um, the Oscars was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. um the Emmys was a lot of pressure. The Emmys was a lot of pressure because I didn't know the Oscars was coming and I knew this was a chance for me to make an impact and the fact that I was Cedric's head writer, I really wanted it to be great And so I did feel a lot of pressure and coming out of the pandemic I felt like, people need a lift so i wanted this show to be really strong um yeah i felt pressure yeah i definitely yeah. felt pressure. okay so you're yeah. yeah
0: you're you're human and you feel yes, pressure i yes. felt pressure <laughs> yeah.
1: so, um i also you know you trust it, you know once again if you care about comedy and you care about the craft it's the technique that's going to get you over it. and it's that commitment to the craft that's going to get you over mm-hmm. so while you do feel pressure you're like i'm built for this, I'm here for, this. I'm here for i'm here for a reason i'm here for a i reason. got the call from cedric yep. newtainer yep
0: because of what i am and, who
1: and I, am. I was smart enough with with him because you know like i i genuinely enjoy that guy like he makes me laugh really hard we make yeah. each other laugh that's like great. you know we've got a great camaraderie so what i would do which was pretty smart on my part Um, you know, we would do pitch ideas and, and, and come up with stuff and then we would get together on our own on the weekends and we would just work on ideas separately. And I felt like that was a really smart play because we had a direct connection and we're banging out these ideas and, and making it as funny as possible between us. So then I could go back and go, this is what the host wants to do. Hmm. And so there's no middleman or no so I could bring, you know, a pure idea back to the source. So and that was fun too because you got to remember with all the pressure of these big shows, you still got to make it fun. Right. And if you guys aren't laughing one on one, it's not going to it's not going to translate.
0: And but and also you probably have to now, you know, the way you have to write comedy to not offend or upset anyone. How much of that goes into the writing of like, oh, is this too much, or is this too much now? Yeah, I mean,
1: I think you got to at least get to that point where you're legit laughing at it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're not laughing at what you're creating, it's not going to be funny.
0: But but I mean, as far as like, I mean, you're going to always
1: have to. You're always going to have to deal with network notes. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or time constraints. Or Mm -hmm. you know, like there was something that happened with the Emmys where um, the monologue Cedric's monologue got cut at the last minute, and you know, we had had all these other jokes that time constraints prevented us from getting to. Mm. And so I remember being a little upset about that to the point where I had to go take a walk and kind of like chill out. And then I was like, "Uh, you're at the Emmys. Like, go back and enjoy what this is. Just do a little woosah. Yes, exactly, but you know, that is, That's that's what happens in the in the pressure and all that where, you know, you want to make an impact and you put these jokes in that you believe in and you want people to see them and enjoy them. And, you know, there's always stuff that's out of your control.
0: Yeah. So so you go from the Emmys to the Oscars and everyone knows what happens, what happened at the Oscars with, you know, Chris Rock and the slap. We, yes, you know, as it's
1: been <laughs> It's been called, right? Yeah, it's been called the slap heard around the world. Yeah, for sure, which is uh ridiculous. <laughs> I feel
2: like, you know what's funny about the slap is like, you know how do you remember like when uh Kim Kardashian did that thing, break the internet?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: To me, I feel like the slap broke the internet. It was insane how it was
1: everywhere. Yeah. Well, imagine being there. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. with a with a tuxedo on. Take, it, take us there. See yeah, take, take us, us well, there. Paint the picture. <laughs> This was my first Oscars. Mm-hmm. I felt like I busted my ass this year writing on the Emmys, writing on the American Music Awards and getting the opportunity to write on the Oscars. You know, I started doing stand up in 1989. I graduated college in 90. Hmm. There's no way you could have told me as as a young stand up one day you're gonna write on the Oscars. I bet, yeah. So that you know, I I I went to UCLA. I grew up in Los Angeles. You know what I mean? Like to go from nothing is promised in comedy. Nothing's promised. Right. To go from maybe you'll have a career at this to writing on the Academy Awards is a huge deal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's... And you feel the pressure of The year before, it was at a train station in downtown Los Angeles. So this is the first time that it's back at the Dolby. And it's less COVID-y, you know what I mean? Like, so it's gonna be the Oscars again. And you wanna make an impact. And you want it to be great. And the producers, um, they had worked with my daughter, right, on a project. And I had never worked with them. So my first meeting at the Dolby, uh, I sat down in the office and the first thing they said to me was, we love your daughter. And I'm thinking, (laughs) what better way to start my Oscar experience than these producers, Will Packer, Shayla Cowan, saying, we love your daughter. Yeah, Awesome. Like this is a magic moment that, you know, it's, this is gonna be incredible. Mm -hmm. This is gonna be incredible. Mm And the show was incredible, you know what I mean? It's just, it got reduced to that moment. And that sucks, you know what I mean? Like, the Oscars is a long show, it's a three hour show. That was the last half hour of the show. It was the best documentary category. Chris Rock is a two time former Oscar host who is extremely skilled as a comedian, Mm -hmm. but he's also held the reins of what being the host is. He's just coming in and he's responsible for 45 seconds of comedy and then to read the copy to present an award to what is most likely his friend Questlove.
2: Mm. That's right. Yeah.
1: So it should have been easy breezy. And it was anything but that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we wanna- just to give you a context of what my perspective was. So- and at the time... I'm in the green room. There's a special green room for all the presenters, right? Uh, They call it the Rolex green room. Oh, what's so, in there? Uh, it uh, some chocolates, chocolates? Uh, some Rolexes. So, I wish. I wish. I, so trust cho-
0: me, chocolate covered Rolex. I,
1: I looked. I, I I had a couple of the chocolates, uh-huh. and were they I looked for the Rolexes. I didn't see the Rolexes. The chocolates were delicious. Chocolates
0: <laughs> sponsored by Rolex. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, they were. They were. They were in a uh, a little box, and they had the Rolex emblem on them. Oh, I was like, dude. Like, and first of all, the Dolby is beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, a beautiful place. theater. Yep. The Rolex green room, I felt like I was in Monaco,
3: wow. okay?
1: So, I'm wearing a tuxedo, uh, you know, boys' medium. And, uh, <laughs> hey, that's Mike's size. <laughs> that's Mike's
2: size, too. So I'm, I'm a boy's extra large. Nice, nice, nice. Men's extra large.
1: <laughs> so, I'm Make in the tall, Rolex baby. green room, and the show is almost over. You know, uh, my daughter. I brought my daughter that night. And, you know, I've been so busy. I haven't seen her during the show. And when it turns south like that, you know, I'm watching the monitor. And, you know, Will gets up and slaps Chris. And then he sits back down. And then he starts swearing. Mm. And this is live. Yeah. I mean, you know, ABC, network television, live. Yeah. And it was so far out of left field that I couldn't vocalize anything. You know what I mean? Like I, I just was like, "What? What? Like, what, what's happening right now?"
0: Did you think at any point that this was set up beyond your knowledge, dude? No. I've
1: been working on the show for three months. Yeah, mm-hmm. no so sense. it was no, it, it, nothing. No, there's no top no. secret. There's file. no top secret anything. Okay. This is happening. It's real. And no one knows and how to respond to it. the guy that didn't curse in his raps is swearing on live television. Crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I'm watching it on a monitor. What you guys saw was the bleeped version. I'm there. What I'm seeing is not bleeped.
0: What's the delay
1: like? There was no delay. No. Like, I'm, it's a five-second delay. Okay. But... I'm hearing him swear for real, yeah. And I'm thinking, is the show gonna go on? Is like what's happening? Yeah like, is security gonna come is, out? What is happening? Yeah. So my first instinct was, let me go check on my daughter, because mm. this clearly, whatever happens next, is so far above my pay grade they're not going to be coming to me like, what do we do next? Right, of course. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're in a, we're in a code red situation. So I went to go see my daughter. And the first thing she said to me was like, what happened, dad? What was that all about? I said, I have no idea. And then I'm also like, oh shit, I'm at the Oscars with my daughter. I should probably take a picture of the two of us because we're at the Oscars, right? Right, <laughs> right, right. And you're in
0: a tuxedo. And
1: I'm in a tuxedo. Yeah. And she's dressed up, in a, you know what I mean? Of course. So we take a picture. After the thing. Well, yeah, while I'm going to get her, yeah. and then I bring her downstairs, because I don't know, at this point, I don't know if the show's going to continue. Sure. So I make sure she's okay, then I go backstage again, and at this point, I overhear a lawyer for abc say to chris you know if you want to press charges let us know and chris says no and uh, the lawyer says if you change your mind let me know and that moment was a moment where i was like oh this is really serious it's real because yeah. what lawyer says if you change your mind let me know mm, yeah. you know what i mean and then it just was a matter of, was the show gonna continue? And it did, and I think the reason that it did was because you had a two-time Oscar host on stage in that moment who saved the show.
0: He knew how to, to keep it going, even though this crazy thing that we've never witnessed before on TV. Yes, and of- it's a
1: testament to his professionalism. Oh, yeah. And his skill, and as a as a comedian, and as somebody that understands that moment. Like I hear a lot of comics talk about, if that was me, I would have whooped Will's which is nonsense. Right. Yeah. A, you wouldn't have been there. <laughs> and B, <laughs> first. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's just nonsense. Like I credit Chris Rock so much for having the poise to. Yeah. Deal with something in real time that would have shook 99.9% sure. of the people on this planet.
2: I, you know, I, so let me ask you something on that. I'm just curious. Is when that happened, I don't know if you felt this way, Mike, but when it happened, I thought it was ridiculous that they didn't escort him out. Because if it would have been Mike that walked up to that stage and slapped him, there's no way he would have been there.
0: Well, I feel like if it would have been.
1: But it's a weird collision of celebrity. It's a weird collision of... It's Will Smith. We're at an award show to honor somebody that is nominated for the Best Actor Prize who's probably going to win. And that is what it is about. And for me, I'll tell you this, I am very close to both Will and Jada and Chris Rock. Mm. So... I was in a weird situation where these are two peers of mine. Sure. And what happened in that moment had nothing to do with my personal relationship with them, but it's also a working relationship. Right. Like my name is on this show. Yeah. And immediately what happened afterwards, like we're all in a daze. you know what i mean like keep in mind we've been working on this for three months right i got hired before they named the hosts and i was used to working with one host that i had a relationship with this is the first time that i was in a situation where i had to work with three different hosts and while i knew them in different ways it still was you're managing the interests of three people that all have separate ideas of what they want this experience to be right so it already had its own uh, challenges as a writer servicing you know, this, this, this major show. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, it just threw everything for a loop. Sure. And then when the show that, I remember as I was walking backstage, as the show was ending, I looked up on one of the monitors and I saw the written by credits. And I was like, oh, damn. That's my name up there, right? But this thing is now a disaster. You know what (laughs) I mean? Talk about your all-time backfires. And so, um, you know, everyone's scrambling to figure out what that moment was and what it was about and was it real and why did it happen. You know, Twitter's going crazy at that point. Mm -hmm. You know, my phone is going crazy at that point. I bet. Everyone that I've ever met is calling me Because they know I'm writing on the show. And normally when I write on a talk show or an award show or something like that, I don't really talk about it until after it's done. But the Oscars is different. They do a press release when they hire you. Because they're proud that you're getting this opportunity. And they want people to know this is who we've hired. So I can't pretend like I didn't just do this. And people know that I've done it so that was interesting and then people would screenshot the credits and in an attempt to make sense of what just happened someone with a blue check said i can confirm that chris rock did not write that joke and it was written by these people
0: name that person
1: (laughs) so you're now being thrown under the bus for something you had nothing to do with. That's
2: insane somebody would even do that, right? Who like, did that? Name this person, who did well, they that.
1: had a blue check. Blue check and person. They, and, and, and you know, yeah. so that, so then you're dealing with that. Sure. And then also here's another weird thing about the Oscars. Right after, right after the Oscars, the first party is the governor's ball, which is upstairs in the same, you know, facility. So everyone's in a tuxedo that's just watched this show and we're all taking these escalators up to the governor's ball Is it party. dead
0: quiet or is it, is it?
1: People are trying to figure out what they just witnessed. Right. Yeah. Like, So yeah. people are like, was that real? What was that about? Like, you know, like I remember, <laughs> so I'm with my daughter, right? And I'm holding my the train of my daughter's dress as we're going up this escalator. <laughs> and I'm having this, conversa- I'm having this conversation. I'm having this conversation with this guy that won an Oscar for you know a short film. Mm. And I'm like, oh, that's great. You won an Oscar. Congratulations. And I'm like, oh, I, you know, he's like, What what did you do on the show? I was like, Oh, I I, I was a writer on the show. And he's like, Hey, what just happened with Chris Rock and, and Will Smith? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> As we're going upstairs to go to a party. To go party. <laughs> so so then there's that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's a celebration. But this weird thing has just happened. But you're still supposed to go on, like, and everyone's just going, and like, so yeah. it was it was bizarre. Yeah. It was bizarre. And then, you know, it's it. The next day, it's all over the yeah. news. And I remember the head writer said to all of us as writers, he said, you know, the press is probably going to reach out to you. This is before the slap. Right. He said the press is probably going to reach out to you to get some sort of comment. It's best to just say nothing because no matter what you say, it's going to be misconstrued. Mm. And that was before the slap.
0: Wow. So, so post slap,
1: that <laughs> next day, I got calls from the Post, wow. the Times, like TMZ. Um, you know, they wanted me to be on Dr. Phil. Like it was <laughs> what. It was it was surreal it was surreal
0: yeah to say the least
1: right so I hope that answers the question what the Oscars was like
0: yep. so so what what an experience for you I mean I can, I can see how it affects you just talking about it like you're kind of in a sense robbed from this great what's supposed to be like probably a, a peak moment in your in your career to, to write for the Oscars, and it gets totally overshadowed and kind of taken away from this kind of selfish selfish moment from someone.
1: Well, I will say this. I think my friendship with Gary Shandling prepared me to handle this. Mm. And what I mean by that is Gary was a host of the Oscars. And when he was alive, we talked about all of that stuff. Like, I really felt, especially in the last two years of his life, he mentored me in a way where he gave me tools to handle something this crazy. And, I, and and that doesn't mean that it didn't affect me. Like, I went through a bit of depression afterwards because that's a a big high to get hyped for. You know what I mean? It's like, man, I I... I'm getting to do this amazing thing and then it goes so far south where it's known it's like it's like being in a in a in a in the Indy 500 and then there's a car crash and it becomes about the car crash. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like that that you you don't want to be associated with disasters.
3: Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Like some people it's funny some people you talk to and they're like, "Dude, you're going to be a part of and Oscars that people are always going to talk about
0: for that reason.
1: But for that exactly, right, right? Not because the show was great, which it was. Yeah. You know, Beyonce opened the show. Right. People forget about that. I forgot. You know what I I'm mean, saying? I forget
0: a lot of things, but yes, you're right.
1: Like Beyonce opened the show. <laughs> yeah. There was so many great things that we should be talking about, and instead we're talking about this
0: were you able to talk to either uh chris or will smith after this
1: i haven't talked to will um no it's you know and i and i saw chris in december when i was here Mm -hmm. you know but i saw him on stage like we didn't talk backstage afterwards um so no i really haven't had any closure and it was interesting even watching his special um selective outrage I watched it by myself and I'm still raw about it. Yeah. You know, the Oscars are Sunday, you know what I mean? Wow. And right. you know, when I see a commercial, I'm, I'm, I'm triggered. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that was my experience. It, it. You know, I was talking about this on stage the other night. I said, you know, when you finish the Oscars, they give you some swag, right? They give you a hat and they give you a sweatshirt. And you know, they're, they're it's nice swag but I haven't worn it yet and I don't, I can't, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I can't, I can't embrace the experience. I feel like it's a, it's, it's known for something that I'm not proud of.
0: Right. Yeah. Because people are looking at the you and, and not just you, but the writers as not, not to why this happened, but, It has to go on someone and and it's not going on, And you
1: know, like even if even if we're not under fire, just the simple fact that jokes are on fire, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that we're, we're criticizing the joke, you know what I mean? Like jokes make people feel good. They lift the mood. They let the air out of the room. Mm -hmm. You know, the Oscars are pretentious. We're giving awards to people that have won the game of life. Right. You know what time I mean? Time and time again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, the Oscars are a big party that you're not invited to. So, jokes take the air out of the room.
0: Yeah. Like, how can yeah. we not laugh at ourselves? We're sitting here yes. richer than everyone yes. else, more yes. privileged than anyone yes. else, and we can't take a joke about ourselves.
1: So, that's another issue is like, don't attack the joke. The joke is there to make it fun. Right. So, that's another side of it.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. What a perspective, right? Because yeah. it's like, yeah. how- come on now let's not take ourselves too seriously here like right. we're, we're giving ourselves awards right for being awesome yeah in life. when you've already
1: won the game when of you've life already won. yeah you are you are a-list top tier you know what i mean
0: yeah hmm.
2: that is wow. that's a great perspective i didn't think about it like that but that it's such a great perspective because it is like wow that's like you just maybe changed my thoughts on some things wow
0: yeah <laughs> I, I, i'm you know i say this genuinely too uh, here on mic but i i'm i'm sorry for you that that is your experience of such a, a a peak in your life yeah especially with your daughter there and what it means to write as a writer for something that high caliber i i am sorry that that was the experience that you had to go through just just as a human but also knowing you and, and kind of becoming friends with you uh it really sucks to put it lightly and uh <laughs> you're 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 such a kind a kind person. Um, so, but you, you know, know what I will say this: is. I, I
1: I thank Gary for all that mentorship and time that he gave me before he passed, because without that, I probably wouldn't have been able to process this. Yeah. Yeah. right. And so that is a amazing gift on his part.
0: Well, think about it like this: the universe is always listening, and so you are able to get. Gary Shanling of
1: all people
0: that could have been your mentor as your mentor to give you the tools to deal with something that's going to happen in 2000
1: 2000- years so, after he's gone. You know, yes. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's like, it, and it, it doesn't, and it doesn't escape me. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I wish he were, was around now just so we could talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, right. but, but I'm, I'm blessed in that sense. Like the last two things that Gary did on camera, he did comedians in cars with Jerry Seinfeld. Which is he great. asked me to help him get ready for that. Uh. So, and then he did my documentary, um, Dying Laughing, that I produced. So the last two times that he appeared on camera, I was directly involved in, and it's something that I'm extremely proud of, and it's a testament to our friendship, his mentorship towards me, and my commitment to honor those gifts that he gave me. Wow.
2: Man, your mentor sounds way better than mine. <laughs>
1: hey.
2: Hey, you're sitting here with Suli, right? I'm not, I'm not that bad. So, hey, but he only knows the surface level. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's take it easy. Right, right, right.
0: Come um, on, come on. So, so, so now, um, folks are going to hear this. It's already going to have happened, but you're also here in the Bay Area, sit, not just to sit with, Us two yahoos, but you're, 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 you're doing your, your work, you're, you're performing at, uh, at Stanford, um, two shows at Stanford. I'm
1: doing two shows at Stanford. And then I'm also speaking to the students during the day. Nice. Um, just, you know, some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast and giving them just a little backstory of what my trajectory has been in this business, Mm -hmm. because I went to Cupertino high school. I'm from Northern California. You know, I was a skinny kid with a dream of you know making something happen in hollywood and you know i i made some shit happen
0: you made it happen
1: i made some shit happen did. i did some things you, you know and so if i can just like gary mentored me if i can help some young ambitious minds choose this path you know you got to pay it forward
0: right no, that's, I mean, that's, that's, again, that's the karma. That's good karma. Right? That's what that's it's your, about. Yeah, right. That's what it's about. I mean, Jerry, Gary, Jerry, Gary Sherling did that for you. You're you, maybe you're doing that for the next up and coming person. Yes. Um, and you're also doing a lot of touring with Sean Wayans.
1: Sean yeah, Wayans and I are touring this year. Uh, we're doing some great dates all around the country. Uh, I'm excited. We're doing Hawaii in May. Nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> crazy legs might take his shirt off. <laughs> oh, I hope so. Let's go.
0: I want to see crazy legs in the luau. Yeah, yeah.
2: yo, exactly. but if you're going to Hawaii, you better wear a Roosevelt
1: Hawaiian shirt. Uh, you know what? <laughs> the good people at Roosevelt better make me a shirt. <laughs> oh Maybe man, a crazy, crazy legs, legs shirt. Let's get Can it. Can we going, get a crazy bro. legs Hawaiian shirt, Roosevelt? Oh, Roosevelt, I'm gonna hit you up. Let's okay, go. We do happen. this. We uh. need this. Boys, medium. <laughs> <laughs>
0: boys medium yeah, indeed they can afford that that's not much cloth right, right, <laughs> just right. Yeah. um and you're also doing uh, a tour or uh, I mean, correct me however you wouldn't call it like a, a group of, of you and other uh comedians called crazy legs and friends
1: yeah you know i did uh, a show not too long ago uh with some friends of mine that are great comics and i just did it under the banner of Sully mccullough Crazy Legs and Friends, because I like the energy of the Crazy Legs character, and I think that that just sets the vibe for coming to see a good show. Yeah. So it's just great comics that I like working with, and we're gonna do some some spot tour dates uh, in different places.
0: Mm. Nice. Now speaking of Crazy Legs, yes, let's talk about one other thing. Uh, you know, circling back to how we met when you came into the shop, and yeah. and, and, and picked up the South Central hat. With Loke Dog on it, yeah. We
1: Loke Dog and his Super Soaker. That's right. That's <laughs> <Super> right. <Soaker.
0: laughs> we have been able to create an alternate version. Yes, specific. we're doing
1: a an exclusive, exclusive, a special Crazy Legs South Central hat. That's right. A Bart Bridge hat, a Bart Bridge exclusive. That's right. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, hi, yes.
0: Good, yes. Uh, Hype me. That Hype I am.
1: Uh, I'm really excited about like. You know, like we instantly became friends and I was really excited to do this podcast and um, I, I love the, the South Central hat with Loke Dog so much that it just got my little producer brain spinning. And I was like, can we do a Crazy Legs version?
0: And I said, absolutely.
1: And so we let it germinate yeah and coagulate that's right. and marinate <laughs> and now we got some crazy legs <laughs> all the nates we got the nates <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> yeah i got a nate <laughs>
0: and that's an artist let, let me uh give a shout out can we mention the artist so you already had crazy Legs shirts yes and i kind of use that artwork and, and sort of redrew it yeah. to make it yes. work with embroidery yeah. in the my, small space. Yeah, my, uh,
1: my, my friend who's an artist, Ritzy P., did my Crazy Legs t-shirts, which, which I great. sell um, after my shows with Sean. And what I wanted to do with that is just make some merchandise specifically for Crazy Legs fans just to say, hey, you know what? I appreciate the support. I got you. So we used that image as a template to make the Bart Bridge hat So I guess we're going to have it available online Mm -hmm. and do a little limited run. Mm -hmm. And if you need a crazy legs hat in your life, which (laughs) is the place to go. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or maybe you'll have some at your merch table. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have some,
1: you know, when I go tour and stuff. But I also want people to go to your website and perfect get the hats that way.
0: yeah dope
1: and these hats are incredible they are like you like like today you showed me the hats in person and even though the oscars was messed up the <laughs> hats almost make up for it
0: i mean i'm glad that we that there's the balance there. <laughs> yes, yes, yes yes there's, yes, there's some yeah there, there's there's it's some, not all bad y'all there's light at the end of the tunnel yes we got um, crazy
1: legs hats
0: yes uh so you'll you'll be able to go to barbridge.com and and see those soon and one last thing i want to mention before we uh, before we wrap is you and sean i saw you guys uh last december at the, at the cobs which you know you guys are great uh together a nice a nice yin and yang almost of different types of comedy sure i, I sean was my first comedy show i ever saw in person he's my first like going out to a comedy club it was the punchline in Sacramento. Yes, at probably, the
1: at the How About Arden Fair, right my next man, to the, my the, man knows. the. I know. Yes. I know. I've done many a spots there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, I think this was 2001 or or two, and uh, and Sean comes out after the two people open for him. And uh, the, the music's blasting, and he comes out with his leather jacket, and he's just such a vibe. And yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, yes. this is Sean Wayans! I get yes. to see in person, yes. a celebrity." And
1: uh, and he goes up there and he
0: clowns Sacramento <laughs> for his, like his opening. Well, thing. because
1: Sacra- like at the Sacramento Punchline, for people that don't know, you have the Capitol Building as the backdrop on stage. Right, and and, and the, so you can't ignore it. It's
0: big. It's big, and there's. And there's a couple like palm trees and tre- and other trees and yes. then like a couple of yeah. little buildings. And let's be honest, and this was in the, you know twenty Two, years yeah, ago. Yeah, right. There's not a lot to do there yeah. at this time. And yeah. so he was making note of that. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And I took offense to that then, but now I understand. Sure. Uh, yeah. But a
1: comic has to work with what he's got.
0: Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> When 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 you're in a town like that when there's not a lot to do, do you guys just is that better that you just sit in the room and kinda of stare at the wall at the hotel? Well you know what's
1: <laughs> interesting yeah. is like our um our touring schedule is we usually fly out on a Thursday and get in and then, you know, maybe we'll catch a quick dinner and then you know, we got press during the day on Friday and then two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, first flight out Sunday. You know. So Saturday night bleeds into Sunday morning. So I like to, on that Friday after press and stuff, get out a little bit, just so I can feel the vibe of wherever I'm at. But if the place isn't vibey, then it's easy to stay in the hotel Mm -hmm. room. But I think it makes for a better show if you know what the city's about. Sure. And you have like a little, you know, like you don't have a lot of time but you do want to feel like, okay, I know what this place is about. And
0: you connect with the crowd.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And if there's nothing there, then you can make fun of
1: it. And then you get to make fun <laughs> of it. Yeah. And the
3: people know yeah. because there's nothing. But I at least this.
1: try. I at least try. I at least yeah. try and go do something or, you know, just yeah. just, you know, sometimes I'll ask people on stage like, Yo, I'm here for two days. What should I do while I'm here? And, then, and that's how you know if a city's like what they care about.
0: And they say go to the Galleria. You're like, oh god.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, you're doing it. <laughs> you're doing it.
2: You know, yeah, that's come, you. Come <laughs> out. Come you're, out of seat. You're
1: doing it.
2: <laughs> I, I'm curious. Have you ever done any shows in Stockton?
1: It's been a while. Oh it's probably man. been
2: a while. Man, I think it'd be. I think I feel like you and Sean would do so well at Stockton, California. Okay, well that, that's we my that's my hometown. Happen. That's my hometown. We need to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. The, bo- r- the Bob Hope, those two guys.
0: Just yeah. uh, just yeah. be sure you get out alive. That's oh, oh
1: Stockton's <laughs> oh. no joke, my friend. Oh yeah, oh, Stockton's yeah. real like that. It's like it's real. it's
2: real. It's probably more real than Oakland sometimes. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But no well. flat tires though. No flat tires.
1: All right.
0: Well, maybe <laughs> maybe Stockton won't happen. Suley it's been a honor a pleasure like you're you're great i love your openness and you know your comedy is amazing and just getting to know more about you and i love comedians because i love comedy but i also love the way you all tell stories you're great storytellers and that's part of your craft and what you do and you did it here on the show with us and it was just great to to see it happen live you know almost like we almost got our exclusive private comedy show with, yeah. with Suli. Yeah, this this was
1: this this was a thing. We yeah. did a thing.
0: We did a thing. Yeah. We did
1: a thing. Um, this has been great. I I I've, I've had a great time. Like I I feel like this is how, you know, you want to connect with other artists and change agents. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And when you can make something that feels good, you know you're doing it right. Yeah.
0: Where uh, where can our audience find you where you're touring, where your friends um, you can are?
1: Find me at um, uh, I'm on Instagram at Suli McCullough, my real name S-U-L-I-M-C-C-U-L-L-O-U-G-H on Twitter and uh, Facebook and I'm not on TikTok Me neither I'm not, on, I'm not on TikTok and I'm not on a dating site
2: Are you on OnlyFans?
1: Uh, Soon <laughs> Oh my god, a
2: Crazy Legs OnlyFans? That'd be funny
1: <laughs> That would be funny <laughs> no pants no pants no No
2: pants just legs (laughs) hey you you get that whole thing set up at uh roosevelt's no pants you know right right we
1: got to work on that we got to work on the roosevelt's hawaiian shirt for my hawaii days yeah i love that i love that yeah
2: um yeah
0: so um we will uh look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at stanford and uh other people will probably look forward to be seeing you in Hawaii.
1: Yeah, or, or tour dates um, across the country. Yeah. Sean and I are doing dates uh, for the rest of this year.
2: So before we go, okay, I have something. I was going to do a more involved game. Yes. We're going to make it very quick. Okay. Uh, because we've been talking for a great time and it's been amazing, it really has. And to kind of just to say my my thanks, it's great to have you here more than you can ever imagine because, you know, and I'm told you this off mic, before... Before this, your interaction happened with him. I have been wanting to get you on the show personally, and I was trying to find a way how I could write to you, and you know, maybe through Instagram. But I know how that that can be. Yeah. And the fact that this is now happening and, and its fruition and, and it's here, from the bottom of my heart, just thank you for taking the time and being here because yeah, I've been a fan of your stuff for a very long time, your writing work, everything, and you know, and I, you know, mouse meant a lot to me too, and like I told you with uh, you know, with uh, with W medicine meant a lot to me too but just your writing skills because, again, you write so smart, you write so efficiently and that's something that I think is to be celebrated more often and so thank you so much for coming here.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, right.
2: But, but, quick game, quick game. Quick game. So, I don't know if you, did, if you listened to me or not, and I'm actually going to surprise him a little bit. But, you know, me and Mike want to be comedians. Oh, so, here we go. <laughs> do, do we? I don't know. It's, it's so, it here sounds we like go. A, it sounds t- a little hard. Yeah. So, so what we're going to do is a very quick game. So one of my favorite things in the world, and he knows this, when I get really drunk, I love to tell great, great dad jokes. Mm-hmm. I love dad jokes. You know, mm-hmm. I'm Uncle Dad, right? I got to do Uncle Dad Uncle jokes. Uncle Dad
1: got to do dad jokes. So
2: exactly. So each of us, I don't know if he has one ready, I don't think he does because I. So one thing I do with the mic is I surprise him with things. Okay. And this is happening right now. Surprise! <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> we cannot end the show without this. So we're gonna each give you a joke. Okay. And you need to pick. And your then I get
1: to decide. Yes. Oh, nice. This is like the last comic standing. Yes. Yes. But dad joke edition. Dad joke
2: edition. <laughs> yes. Got it. So I'm Mike. Are you ready? I right, mean. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you have to be, you have to be. <laughs> all right i'll go first and then you can go okay hey. here we go <clears throat> are you ready sir
1: yeah I, i'm ready
2: <clears throat> my first joke or my only joke i should say is why did the picture go to jail
1: why did the picture go to jail i don't know because it was framed because he do? was framed Okay. All right. You see what he did there? You see what Uncle Dad did yeah, right there? What he did and there, there's, a, there's a there's
2: an alternate version of that. Oh please, I need to hear the alternate <laughs> okay, okay. version. You're why, on a roll.
1: Why did the picture go to jail? Why did the picture go to jail? Because it
2: was captured.
1: Because it was captured. Okay. <laughs> I think I like frame better. Okay. But but captured is a good good second beat. Yeah. Uh your turn. <laughs>
0: why did the hen cross the road?
1: Now, why did the hen cross the road?
0: To see what the hell the chicken was doing. <laughs>
1: mm, that's pretty good. I like that I, one. I think I'm gonna go with Mike. Oh. Mike wins the dad joke. <laughs> Oh, he's not even Uncle Dad. Yeah, you're not even Uncle Dad. <laughs> well,
3: I'm somebody. Yeah, but the
1: way you told it, you just let it slide. You threw it like it was a slider. Oh, so part of it is in the part of it is in the presentation. Thank no, you. Right. Well, thank you for picking his. That's cool. you, yeah. can, you can leave now. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Happy <laughs> birthday, Uncle Dad. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, right. But before we
2: go, do you have one dad joke you can tell us?
1: Hmm. Do I have a dad joke? I am a dad, so I have- Are you a... an uncle too, or no? No. Uh, yeah, I am an uncle. Oh, there you go. So you're kid. an uncle dad. I am an uncle dad, but I don't know if I have any like dad-dad jokes. So um, I don't think I have one. All right, I got one more for you. Okay. <laughs> That's just a setup for you to get your jokes yeah. off. Why did I see I... how you work. Uh,
2: why does a, uh, a mermaid wear a seashell brawl?
1: Why does a mermaid wear a seashell bra? I don't know.
2: Because she outgrew her bee shells.
1: Because she oh. outgrew her bee shells. <laughs> wow. That just I am offended. Be, I, I
2: wanna be stuff. clear. That's not my joke. I actually that's great. That's... No, no, you should claim that. <laughs> no. You should definitely I claim definitely that I definitely have not because it's from uh, one of my favorite people in the world, uh, Joe Bob Briggs. Okay. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of him, but Joe I'm Bob, not. He is one of the greatest horror hosts in the world. And, uh, he had that joke and I, it's one of my favorite jokes to tell. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: Well, all right. Yeah. You tell that joke. Yeah. Joe Bob Briggs. I love you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yes. Uh, okay. So you don't, you don't have any dad jokes.
1: I don't think I have any dad. I can't follow that joke. <laughs> no, no. Hey, nobody can. Would, yeah. Yeah. We'd have to pay you. To yeah. Right. Right. All right. Well, you
2: know what, man, thank you so much. Seriously from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I, I can tell the energy in this room is magical. If I could just bottle this up, that'd be incredible. Just thank you, seriously. Like, of course, it's a dream come true to have you. I mean, like, I have been a fan of yours for so long, and then to have you here is just one of the one reason why I love doing this job. Not only do I get to talk to people I love, but I get to do one of my best friends in the world. So thank you so much. Of I want course. you to cry
0: right now. <laughs> yeah, I see it. I see it. I see it on the edge of happening. A little happening. Tear. It's a great. Little it's, tear. But it's, it's great radio. Yeah, it so let's yeah, let it happen. I'm just, I'm just trying yeah.
2: to be sweet, man. No, That's I know. I love it, <laughs> and
3: I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, this has
2: been really fun. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I appreciate it wholeheartedly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I will say this. <laughs> this is how I'll end the show. <laughs> Gary Shandling is probably a much better mentor than mine. All right, everybody. <laughs> wow. Know. See what he did? Yeah. He gave me a little cut. Yeah. As I do, right? Suck as I do. Knife right in. <laughs> right. But as always, thank you again. And for everybody listening, really quickly, uh, can you do me a favor? What's that? Can you tell our listeners right now that they need to rate and subscribe to our podcast?
1: Um, if you guys don't rate and subscribe to this podcast, you're crazy. <laughs> and I'm crazy late, okay? <laughs> so rate and subscribe. All right, y'all.
0: <laughs> Yo. <laughs> all
2: right, buddy. We're not uncles. We're not dads. we we'll listen to you all.